Christ Church, New Malden. Sunday the 11th of September 2022, 9.30 service. Stephen Kurt speaking on What we can learn from the Christian faith of Queen Elizabeth II. Well, however much we knew the day would one day come, it has been quite a shock, hasn't it? To say such a sudden farewell to someone who has been such a fixture through most of our lives. The death of Queen Elizabeth II, after an extraordinary 70 years and 214 days on the throne, brings to an end what some are already calling the Second Elizabethan Age, a time when enormous change in our country has been accompanied by the continuity of the same monarch reigning throughout all of that time. So just 25 years old, when she suddenly and unexpectedly succeeded her father, George VI, after his death in February 1952, and 96, when her long period of faithful service came to an end on Thursday. Most of us here never met Queen Elizabeth II, perhaps one or two of you did. But that doesn't mean that lots and lots of people didn't feel that they knew her. And it doesn't mean that it's strange or somehow illogical to feel a sense of loss. And that's because leaders of a country at their best represent the people that they rule over. And part of the price that we pay when someone does this particularly well is that strong sense of loss and indeed destabilisation that we then feel when they depart. Lots of fantastic tributes have been paid to our former Queen over the last few days, coming from lots of different angles. People have particularly singled out her devotion to duty. There have been stories about her great sense of humour, her love of horses and racing, and some of those things that we were actually never allowed to see, like her gift as a mimic. I'd love to have seen some of the impressions that apparently the Queen could do. Apparently some of them were really, really good, but uh, it wasn't seen as something appropriate for the public to see. But this morning, I want to talk about another vital part of Queen Elizabeth's character that ran through pretty much everything about her, and that was her Christian faith. Queen Elizabeth II, if anything, got bolder and bolder in the openness with which she expressed her faith, particularly in those annual Christmas Day broadcasts. And one of the things that means is that we've been left with loads of quotes of what her Christian faith meant to her and how it related to this role that she'd been given. And although our roles in life are by and large very different, it is a chance to learn from our recently departed Queen about how we can serve God more faithfully in our lives. So there are several things that I want to single out this morning. And the first and perhaps most obvious thing about Queen Elizabeth II's Christian faith was this. She believed that she was responsible to God. This was at the core of who she was. And it's what strengthened and sustained her. So it was in June 1953 that the Queen's coronation took place. 
more than a year after she succeeded her father after his death in February 1952. And you'll probably already know that this event was the stimulus for huge amounts of people in this country to buy their first television sets. And it resulted in 27 million people watching on TV and a further 11 million listening on the radio. And those who watched those crackly, tiny black and white screens, very often with a magnifying glass in front of them to make it larger, as well as seeing Elizabeth crowned, people were able to see her being given these things, that orb mounted with a cross to symbolise the rule of Jesus Christ over the earth. But there was another moment in the coronation service which was considered too sacred to televise. And that was the point in the service when the symbols of the Queen's status were removed, the velvet robe, the diamond diadem, and the coronation necklace. They were all taken from her and she wore a simple white dress. And it was at this moment, as I say, that wasn't televised, that the Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher, anointed her with holy oil, which was poured onto her hands, her chest, and her head. Why? To show that she was being set apart to serve and love her people in all of her actions, as well as her heart and her mind. And the Queen later said that it was this moment, more than any other, which was of supreme importance to her. Indeed, the most solemn and important moment of her entire life. God, as she saw it, was giving her a responsibility for his people and making her directly accountable to him. And that's a belief that the Bible strongly underpins. Because the truth is that the Bible's less interested in the process by which people come to power than what they do with that power. And that's because the Bible declares that all such authority is delegated by God himself, making its bearers directly responsible to him. Now, some today might regard those sort of beliefs as rather dangerous, rather too close to believing in the divine right of kings. But the truth is that belief in accountability to God himself is the surest protection against the abuse of power. And although Elizabeth II was a constitutional monarch rather than an absolute one, it's that sense of accountability to God that I believe resulted in the wisdom, in the care and commitment that the Queen put into her role over the last 70 years. Plenty of other monarchs, I hasten to add, have gone through the same sort of ceremony without it having the same impact. And the difference, I suggest, is because the Queen reflected very deeply upon the significance of the vows that she'd taken before God. And of course the challenge here is for us to do something similar with our own lives. Because every single one of us is actually being given responsibility by God. We may not have been anointed with holy oil, but those of us here who are parents or grandparents have been given a sacred responsibility for the care of our children. And in our work and in other areas of our lives, we've been given something very similar. 
God has given us these roles. And if we can learn to view them in a similar way to the Queen, a similar way to the way she saw her responsibilities, then the truth is we'll discharge those responsibilities so much better. So that's one thing that I believe that we can learn from the Queen's Christian faith. But another is this. She was sustained by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those photographs that we saw a little bit earlier from the coronation can make the Queen's Christian faith appear rather formal. But when we listen to the words she has spoken over the years about her Christian faith, particularly, as I say, in her Christmas broadcast each year, and if we pay attention to those words, we'll know that the Queen's Christian faith was something deeply personal. So look at these words that she spoke in 2002. She said this, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try and do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. It's clear from this and the frequent references that the Queen made to the inspiration that she drew from Jesus Christ that her Christian faith was deeply personal, as I say, rather than being simply formal. And it does seem to have been developed at a very young age, because at the age of just 13, that's what she looked like when she was 13, when her father, George VI, was making his first Christmas Day broadcast of the war in 1939 and was still, in all honesty, uh, responding to the shock of being given a role that he felt so ill-equipped for. When he was about to make that Christmas Day broadcast, the first one of the war in 1939, and something that was needed, something was needed to speak to a people with all of that devastation and loss ahead of them, it was the then Princess Elizabeth who suggested what her father should read. And Princess Elizabeth, at the age of 13, suggested to her father that he read the Christian poem by Minnie Louise Haskins. And it says the following. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. That's powerful evidence of the personal faith that sustained the Queen, that at that young age she could give that to her father to help him to speak to the nation. Now, it doesn't mean this personal faith that the Queen had that she was perfect. Of course it doesn't. There were lots of things that she struggled with. Some of those things we saw, many of which we probably didn't. But faults go with being a human being, don't they? And perhaps it was Queen Elizabeth's awareness of her faults that gave her the humility that she needed to develop that conscious dependence upon God in her daily life. 
And perhaps another strong aspect of her Christian faith was this. Our former queen was clear about the centrality to Christianity of forgiveness. And probably nothing sums it up more of that photograph of her shaking hands with Martin McGuinness. Although the Queen spoke a lot about the example of Jesus, she was also clear that this was only because he is a rescuer and saviour who has won us God's forgiveness. So in 2011, this is what the Queen said. Although we're capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. And crucially, the Queen understood that having been forgiven, followers of Jesus Christ are then to forgive others. And that's been a major emphasis again and again within her Christmas addresses down the years. And following on from those words that she said about God's forgiveness in 2011, she then added this. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It's in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. And reconciliation is something that, inspired by this, the Queen worked really hard for during her reign, particularly in Northern Ireland, but also in, for instance, being the first British monarch since the Reformation to meet with the Pope. And rather than her Christian faith leading to the exclusion of people of other faiths, it led to her wanting to treat them with equal respect and dignity. So this is how she described this in 2012. The concept of our established church is occasionally misunderstood, and I believe commonly underappreciated. Its role is not to defend Anglicanism to the exclusion of other religions. Instead, the church has a duty to protect the free practice of all faiths in this country. It certainly provides an identity and spiritual dimension for its own many adherents, but also gently and assuredly, the Church of England has created an environment for other faith communities and indeed people of no faith to live freely. And that sort of unity Queen Elizabeth II believed starts with small acts of forgiveness and reconciliation, for which her inspiration was God sending Jesus. So in her Christmas message of 1976, she said this, the gift I would most value next year is that reconciliation that should be found wherever it is needed. A reconciliation that would bring peace and security to families and neighbours at present suffering and torn apart. Remember that good spreads outwards and every little does help. Mighty things come from small beginnings and they grow as indeed they grew from the small child of Bethlehem. And this links to another major emphasis that the Queen made throughout her reign, and one directly inspired by her Christian faith, and it's this. 
She was clear about the centrality to Christianity of self-giving love. Caring for one's neighbours has been a recurring theme in the Queen's Christmas broadcasts. Time and again, she praises people who do this and encourages us to do it further. And this is what she said in 1975. His simple message of love has been turning the world upside down ever since. He showed that what people are and what they do does matter and does make a difference. It does matter, therefore, what each individual does every day. Kindness, sympathy, resolution and courteous behaviour are infectious. We may feel powerless alone, but the joint efforts of individuals can defeat the evils of our time. And ten years later, in 1985, the Queen made the same point, backing it up by reference to the parable of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan, she said, reminds us of our duty to our neighbour. We should try to follow Christ's clear instruction at the end of the story. Go and do thou likewise. And as well as encouraging this in others, the Queen sought to model it herself as well. She faced many hardships during her life, not least the fragility and early death of her father, losing her mother and her sister in the same year, and the breakdown of most of her children's marriages. And like many older people, she probably found the changes in our society on some occasions really difficult to cope with. She had 15 prime ministers, meeting every single one of them except the latest one once a week, and dealing with those official red boxes every day of the year except two days, Christmas Day and Easter Day. Until relatively recently, she worked a 40-hour week, which didn't include her own feeding of all of those corgis. She was a human being with strengths and weaknesses like anyone else, but she was someone who was clearly sustained by a supernatural power from God. But the Christian faith that Queen Elizabeth II lived by proclaimed that this power is not exclusive. It's not just there for people who've been anointed, as she was back in June 1953. That power that made such a difference in and through her life is open to every single one of us. So as we mourn the death of Queen Elizabeth II, and as we thank God for her extraordinary service to this country, it's a good reminder that God wants all of us to recognise our responsibility before him, and to recognise the personal relationship with Jesus that can sustain us to show the forgiveness and the love that lies at the heart of the Christian faith. I've quoted Queen Elizabeth II so much this morning that she's really been our preacher, hasn't she? And wherever we're coming from this morning politically, we can all, I believe, give thanks for someone who did her very best to express her Christian faith through the role that she was given. So Queen Elizabeth II, 1926 to 2022. May she rest in peace and rise in glory. And of course, God save the King. <laughs>